0: I invite you to give your attention as we struggle together to figure out at least a portion of what this very important scripture says to our lives. Let's be standing, please, as we hear this, the word of God from Genesis chapter 12. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great, and I, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord told him. Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. May God bless the reading of his word. As we said before, there are scriptures, and then there are scriptures. And this passage we just read out of what we've come to call Genesis chapter 12 is scripture. Scripture to the very core and to the depth, it lays out before us the opportunity to explore some basic foundations of our faith. For example, this brief passage invites us to explore the very nature of God. Who is this God who created all the universe? What's he like? What are his characteristics? And it invites us to explore our relationship with him, whether or not we can really interact with the God of the universe. Whether or not he really does know us as individuals, whether or not he will listen to us, whether or not he truly has our benefit as his concern. It also invites us to step back and think about who we are. Where do we fit in to all of this? There's a term that went around a few decades ago called metastory. Some of you may be familiar with that for different studies, but what is the meta story? What is the story around us, and where are we in that story? What is our role? Who are we supposed to be? What do I need to be doing? What am I called to do? Well, these few verses right here at the very beginning of Genesis chapter 12 speak to all of that. They're so important. And we do want to spend just a few moments in wrestling with these a little bit. Now, to begin with, we have to understand that structurally, these verses serve as a bridge. Between the first 11 chapters of Genesis that we normally call the primal history of the world, and the rest of all of Scripture, beginning there with Genesis 12, all the way through the Old Testament, all the way through the New. This is a pivot point where everything changes. So as we look at that, let's go back and see what's happened up to this point. I want to talk about some stories that, if you've ever been to Sunday school, you know these stories. And yet, they're stories that set the foundation and set the stage for us to truly hear Genesis chapter 12 and to understand how important it is in our lives. At the very beginning of Genesis, we read that God created everything. It doesn't really tell us how He did it, but He did it, He spoke it into existence. There's a lot of questions that we might have about that creative process, but whatever question we have, one thing we know for sure, he did it. He is the creator of all things. And another thing that we know for sure is that the crowning jewel of his creation was us, humanity, that after he had created everything else, he bent down and out of the dust formed Human beings, in his own image, he made them. And then he knelt down and breathed his very breath into our nostrils. It's important to know that out of all the things that God created, we're his number one. We're the thing he values the most However, if we keep reading, we find out that it didn't take long for things to kind of fall apart, did it? If we just keep reading after the first two chapters where we read about the creation and how glorious it is, we get to chapter 3 and everything just begins to disintegrate because human beings just were not content to remain human. There's something inside of us that wants to be more than human. We want to be God. We read about how the human beings toyed with God's words, how they began to resent God because they thought he was an unfair God, that he wasn't really giving them all that he could give to them. We read about the eating of the forbidden fruit. And in the blink of an eye, everything changes. In their disobedience, in their rebellion, they bring shame into this world. They bring hate into this world. They bring vengeance into this world. And this world becomes the place that we experience today with its struggles, with its troubles, with its difficulties. God responds to that disobedience with curses. He comes and he curses the serpent, He curses the man, he curses the woman, he even curses the ground to teach them that that is not the way he created them to be. But they continued on their path, and family came along, and boy, was there trouble. Cain and Abel, oh, we know them well in more ways than one. And yet, Even though Cain brought to mind the whole idea of jealousy and anger and feeling rejected, he was just following in the footsteps of mom and dad. And so it continues until we get to chapter 6 when we read that the whole of creation... Had, had, had just fallen apart, that human independence and self-centeredness had gone universal to the point that God became sorry that he had even made us to begin with. It, it's great to read that, is to just think, wow. Let me tell you what scripture says. It says, humanity grieved God to his very heart. And in his heart, he said, I'm sorry I even started this whole thing. So what did he do? He extended the curse. He said that I will destroy all humanity. I will wipe it off the face of the earth. Everybody knows what method he chose to do that, don't you? We're into the flood story, aren't we? And yet, as his plan began to progress, God couldn't quite let go of everything. He found one family that was righteous, one family that he could look at and say, you know, if we could start over with these guys, maybe it would work this time. He called the family of Noah, and he helped them to survive through the time of the flood. And here was the bright and new beginning that he had hoped for. And maybe creation this time would choose to go the right way. (sighs) But it didn't take long for Noah and his family to disappoint God as well. They resumed the same old sad story. A new round of shameful nakedness and badly used fruit. And here we go again. It is in this story though that God is presented as coming to a sober realization. I don't know if you think about God in these terms or not, but the author of Genesis did. In Genesis chapter 8, when things start to unravel again, God says, you know what? It has finally occurred to me that the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth. It's just the way we are. Given the opportunity, we're going to put God out of our mind. Given the opportunity, we're going to turn our attention to ourselves. Given the opportunity, we'll do things the way we want to do them. And God says, what am I going to do with this? It's already happened twice. What do we do? He comes up with a new plan. He says, I'm not going to do what I've been doing. This is what he says, I will never again curse all creation because of the misbehavior of humanity. Now, that is a major point that is made in Scripture. Up until this point, God had tried to use cursing and punishment in order to change the heart of humanity. And he realizes that's not working. The nature of our hearts has not changed. So what's he going to do? What will he do differently this time in order to win our hearts to him, in order for us to be the creation and the people that he wants us to be? Well, we're left hanging for a couple of chapters, all the way through chapter 11, where the people of Babel, once again, try to play God, don't they, and build that big old tower up into heaven and become great. They do it the way they want to do it. Look at us. But in chapter 12, our answer comes, our text. In chapter 12, God's plan is revealed. In chapter 12, we read what God has decided to replace cursing with. In chapter 12, we read that he will bless. He chooses Abram, and he says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. This is plan B. This is God's way. It's not what he had done up until now, but it's what he does from this point all the way through. God's plan is to choose special agents in order that they may be a blessing to the broader human family that mostly only knows trouble and curse. God says, I can hang on to some of them, and I will bless them to the point so that they can realize that in a world of trouble, in a world of difficulty, in a world of sorrow, in a world of pain, they can show the blessings of God because they're my people. And I will send them out to be a blessing. Now there's a problem with this. It's an awesome privilege. To be one of those people that God chooses to be the blessing amongst the sorrow and pain. But it's also a tremendous responsibility. Because God warns Abram right here that that there is still cursing involved. Because if if the people of God do not live up to their calling of blessing, they bring curses to the people around him. It's like they have been lifted up and said, you are the ones, you are the light of the world. Well, somebody else said that, didn't they? Therefore, if in a world of sorrow and pain and hurt, people are to find God, it'll be because you are the blessing in their lives. Well, how did God's people do with that? Abraham and Sarah, they were the first ones that were called to be these special agents, God's own people. How did they do? They did their best. We can read stories where they move into an area and things just go well and people are blessed to have them there. People come to know the name of God because they're there. And then we read stories where they go and they lie about themselves. Remember that story where they present themselves as Brother and sister rather than husband and wife, and how much trouble they brought to the neighborhood, how much pain was there. Moses was a special agent, and Moses did a wonderful job. And it's interesting to me that it was through Moses that God begins to unpack all the ramifications of what it means to be the blessed people of God. Here's how you act. Here's what you do. Here's how you bless your community. Here's how you bless your family. And in fact, at the end of Moses' life, he gathers the people up and he says, look, we've laid it out before you. You can choose life or death. We talked about this a few weeks ago, if you remember. And he said, you can choose blessing or curse. Now, That means you can choose to receive blessing or curse, but it also means you can choose in your own heart, are you going to be a blessing or will you be a curse? What about David? How did he do? Well, we know the stories about David, don't we? Mighty king of Israel, blessed his people tremendously. But in a moment of selfishness, in a time when he was thinking about what he wanted, In a time whenever he let his appetites rule over his brain, he brought curses into his family that lasted for generations. He was told what to do to be a blessing. And he brought blessing, but he brought curse. And then we have the story of Israel in general, Israel as the people of God and how they were called upon to bless the people around them. But... They began to think more of themselves and how special they were, and once again, things went along until they were carried off into captivity, and those ideas were finally purged from their heart. And all of this goes along until finally, 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 God reaches the ultimate of his plan. As Paul says, in the fullness of time, finally, the blessing that God had intended all along for us, his people, is sent to this earth in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus comes and he shows us what God's blessings are. Jesus comes and he blesses the people around him. But in doing so, that old trouble and that old hate and that old violence of the world raises up against him. And we know the end of that story. We know how God himself, in the person of his son Jesus was hung on the cross and yet conquered anyway. Now we come to that point, and there's so much more we could say. I'm thinking, okay, have we said enough? You're with me, I hope, up to that point. Because here's the real point we want to make out of all of this. Paul tells us in Romans chapters 10, 11, and 12 that one of the great blessings that Jesus brought is is he opened up the invitation of God to all people. He talks about us as wild branches. And for some of us, that is a good description. It said that we are wild branches, but we have been grafted into the tree, which is God's family. That each one of us has the opportunity to receive through the blessing that Jesus brought, the blessing of grace and mercy, the blessing of forgiveness and love. We have been invited to become special agents of God. That's why when we read Genesis chapter 12, though we may not be called to leave our land and to move to Canaan, we are called to be blessed. And we are called to go out and to be a blessing to others. We are called to realize that we live in a world where there is sorrow. We live in a world where there is struggle. We live in a world where there is trouble. And God's plan is that we show his blessings to others. How are we doing? Is your family blessed to have you? Is your family blessed by your presence, and your word, and your love, and your care? Is your family blessed because you're dad, because you're mom, because you're son, because you're daughter, because you're brother, because you're sister? Can your family say thank you for showing us that in a difficult world there is blessing and love and grace and mercy? What about the workplace where you go every day? There's struggle there, there's pain there, there's gossip there, there's all kinds of things going on there. Is your workplace blessed to have you as an employee? Do you bring the love of God into that building and into those groups? Do they begin to see that even though life is difficult, life is filled with trouble and pain? that we have a God who is a God of love and mercy and grace. What about this community? Is it blessed to have you live here? These are questions that Genesis chapter 12 demand that we answer and that we struggle with. Have we been so focused on ourselves and what we want that we've forgotten who we are, called by God, to receive his blessings and to go out from this place and to bless others. There's an old story it's just a story. It was made up but it's about Jesus after he had been on this earth and had had his ministry, had been crucified, had been resurrected and now had ascended into heaven. And as he's ascending into heaven he sits down and All the heavenly hosts gather around him and they're all asking questions about how did it go? What was it like? And they say, well, what's happening now? And he tells them, he said, I brought those people what they need. I brought them the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God. And I have sent them out then with that message and to embody my spirit amongst the world. And someone asked Jesus, well, what if they don't? What if they don't do that? What's your next plan? And Jesus replies, there is no other plan. This is what we're called to be. And this is who we are. We have a God who loves us, a God who blesses us. We are called to be his people and to bring blessing to those near us into those far away how are we doing let's stand and sing